the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Another day, another dollar. We are all trying to pursue retirement. We are all trying to get, I think, about our life. The world that I work in, personal finance and investing, has those opportunities for sure. Tech stocks are dragging the markets lower again. Hmm, this is turning into a trend. If you own Tesla, calm down for a second. Take a chill. Why did you buy it? Down another 16% today. Hoo-wee! Now, they got, it got kind of messy there when it got the stock split going, right? But it was as high as 502. Now it's down to 348. Whoa. 5% here, 10% there, 15% there. Wow. Um, what's happened? It's, it, this one's going to be pretty easy to explain. Uh, people speculated, and they're getting punched in the belly because they speculated. Shares are down 15% today. It was not added to the S&P 500. A lot of people thought, hey, that's the next obvious thing as the company started to make money. You can no longer say you know, that one day it's going to go to zero. They're legit. They're going to last. They're going to be around. Um, I do have concern that they are a one-man company, but Steve Jobs kind of was a one-man company at Apple for a long period of time, and that proved not to be true, right? Tesla shares down 15%. Etsy, Teradyne, and Catalent all added to the S&P 500, but Tesla will not be added. Um, they've had four straight quarters of profitability. So now we go, maybe next quarter, maybe the quarter after that. But again, take a look at what happens. Having risen around 400% this year. Um, the company is worth more than Toyota and Volkswagen. It, it would make all the sense in the world that they would be added to the S&P 500, but they weren't. I don't know. It got political. I don't care. All I can tell you is I like owning stocks because of earnings not because they're going up. Uh, interesting to note, there's a company called Nikola. Nikola Tesla was a man uh, that dabbled in electricity, to say the least. Uh, Tesla's got the car market. Nikola's got the, we want some of that electricity market thing going too. Um, and GM saying, hey, these guys at Nikola have enough going on that we're going to take a big stake in the company. Wow. It's getting dramatic out there, is it not? GM's taking an 11% stake in the company. They have the right to nominate one person to the board of directors. The stake's worth roughly $2 billion or 11%. Uh, where there's smoke, there's fire. GM's taking a look at Tesla and say, that's sexy. We want that kind of stock market love because we could build cars maybe faster than them. Maybe not. One thing about Elon Musk and Tesla is they have cutting-edge manufacturing. But we'll talk about that later. Peloton's launching a cheaper option, a new treadmill and a discounted bike. 
Uh, customers who bought the original model for 1800 bucks, as well as the new Byte Plus for $2,500, uh, have to be saying to themselves, okay, what's next? Well, there's a Peloton treadmill that's $4,300 and a discounted treadmill at $2,400. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty expensive for something that many of us use for a couple of weeks and give up on. So sales have surged more than 60% to $420 million last quarter as gyms around the world remain closed amidst pandemic restrictions. The company reports more than 2.6 million members. The original bike can be purchased for $49 a month at 39 months. And you start doing the math there, and it's pretty darn expensive. So Peloton coming out with newer, cheaper product. Peloton was a big winner, big winner in the pandemic. And you could say that they had a catalyst, gym's closing, to make their, their, their goods very exclusive. And now you pay $400 a month for a gym membership, say $300 a month. I don't know if you've got kids or what sort of plan you're on. But you start adding that up, that's $4,000 a year. Okay, so maybe you can do the home gym. Depends on how big your home is, right? Anyhow, I digress. Um, I find Peloton to be a pandemic stock and worthy of note. Um, and again, they had a catalyst. Their next catalyst will be cheaper prices, but also more competition, which is kind of what I was getting at with uh, Nikola and Tesla, with GM taking a big stake in Nikola. Um, more competition stops the space from overheating as the pieces of the pie start to divvy up. Disney, 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 Disney made a controversial decision that again seems paid off. Um, they twice delayed the theatrical release of the live action Mulan. It had announced the movie would go straight to Disney Plus in the US with a third new date of September 4th, which we got at a digital purchase fee, 30 bucks on top of the monthly Disney Plus subscription fee. So you have to pay six bucks for Disney Plus. And then to get the movie this week, you had to pay another $30. Uh, but guess what? Mulan release led to a 68% spike in Disney Plus app downloads. Maybe not a bad bit of marketing by Disney. They did it with Hamilton, where I still haven't seen it. I know, I know, I'm probably like the only person in America I've got a thing against musicals and it may be rooted in something problematic that I can't work through without a lot of therapy. Uh, okay. But back, back, back to this Disney plus spike 68% over the weekend. So we're going to start getting the numbers, but the movie tenant pulled in 30 million in the United States. That's a good number. Not what it would have done if there was no pandemic, but it's a good number. Um, and Tenet has been released outside the United States, and it's pulled in a good over $150 million at a time where we're not thinking, how are movies doing? Anyhow, I'm Rob Black talking to all things financial money investing and more. Those are the top three stories of the day. Mulan release leads to 68% spike at Disney Plus app downloads. Peloton launching a cheaper option. And Tesla share is getting kind of one, two today. One, beat up for not being included in the S&P 500 as they refigure that index on a regular basis. And two, because 
GM took a stake in an electric vehicle maker who doesn't have a lot to show right now, but that's perceived as negative for Tesla. Tesla down 60 bucks a day. Uh, and I say that because it's down 14%. And it's had four bad days in a row where it's going to shake a lot of people's thoughts on, am I really invested in this or did I get in over my head? Most Americans have no money saved for their children. That's a shocking statement. As a father, one of the things that I wanted to do was, was try to leave the world for my kids to be in as good of a shape financially as possible. So a lot of what I do, it's, I, I take sacrifices for the family. I would certainly rather have a nicer car, but I don't. 38% they have set up a regular savings account. 32%, 13% have a 529, 8% have savings bonds, which is just weird. We'll talk about that at a later time. But uh, 53% of people polled in a recent CNBC Acorns poll said that they haven't opened any accounts for their kids. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. And streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. First and foremost, let me stop and say everything I see, I see as money. Everything. Um, There's nothing that I go, oh... That's just a kid being happy. To me, it's like a kid being happyly marketed to and enjoying the product he was told to consume. Um, I'm a little bit cynical. But one of the things I, I, I like during the pandemic and of what I'm seeing is ghost kitchens and grocery-free sampling. Is that a thing of the past? <laughs> is that something that's going to die? It feels that way with sanitary concerns. Uh, me and a business partner were talking this weekend and it was kind of cute because uh, we talked about getting into an Uber or a Lyft and he's like, well, what if the Uber driver was wearing like a scuba gear? Would you get in? I'm like, no, because the guy he picked up earlier wasn't. So there's a trend now of people going out and buying cars. They don't want to count on others to be the clean one. Grocery uh, sampling, which is a big business. And companies pay big dollars to get inside of a Costco and say, here, you want this sample of this cheesy cheese whiz? And you're like, cheesy cheese whiz? I love cheesy cheese whiz. That's amazing because you can see the cheesy cheese whiz commercial during the Super Bowl and never be in a grocery store again. But when you're in a grocery store and they say, you want to try this? And it's right here. You can get, take a box home with you for 10% off today. But that seems like it's over. Um, there's also in the same concept of pandemic, one of the things we're seeing is ghost kitchens starting to pop up. And I wish I was a younger man. I wish that I wanted to see the world in front of me, but at this point in time, I just want to manage um, but ghost kitchens are a thing where what we're learning is why we may not want to go to restaurants ever again, or we may not be able to afford to go to restaurants ever again. Now, what do I mean by that? There should become a bifurcated business model 
that it should become more expensive to eat out because they're going to have fewer tables and they're going to have to do more cleaning. I'm not going to say that you used to eat a dirty spoon and it was cheap because it was dirty, but that's the right idea. So sampling is a big issue. Ghost kitchens are a big issue. Ghost food trucks are part of a growing subsection of the restaurant industry. So instead of opening a restaurant with seating and in-person service, kitchens operate online or are being distributed via delivery apps like DoorDash and Uber Eats. So people are starting to come up with businesses that are, aren't even real. Um, just digest that for just a second if you can. So coming up with the concept of, of a virtual food truck, but they're making it and then DoorDash picks it up and then it off it goes to it. They don't even have the building is what I'm getting at. I like it. That is the kind of disruption that I want to see in this type of stock market. Marriott's going to lay off hundreds of workers at their Bethesda headquarters due to travel decline. Does anyone else get a phone call from Marriott every single day asking me about a friend has offered you a vacation? I can't get it to stop. It says hit two to make it stop. It won't stop. Marriott's going to lay off hundreds of workers. Hotels cutting 673 workers from its headquarters, not from their stores, not from their, their hotels, not the janitors who are cleaning up the hotels, not the maids, not the, the chefs, but 673 uh, corporate employees. That's a lot because they only, ho- they only uh, hold about 4,000 in this one office. And what's interesting is because it's Marriott, they're going to redevelop the space into a senior living community because that's what hotels do. They find out what they can repurpose anything into. So that's um, a humbling reminder, again, that there's still more job cuts out there. We saw a decent jobs report on, on Friday, and we are certainly moving in the right direction. It is slowing down, but it, it, was, it was a decent number. Um, but we also said, know that airlines are cutting staff right now. And now we know Marriott's cutting staff. Universal Orlando Resort announced 800 employees would be losing their jobs. United Airlines said that they're going to furlough 16,000 people in October, down from an original target of 36,000, but still 16,000 people. Marriott's the largest hotel chain, so this is a big number. But we're not going to dwell on that and turn the whole day negative because that. We're going to turn the whole day negative because Tesla. Tesla stock dragging the stock market lower, down 12 plus percent today. S&P 500 is down 53 points, down 1.5 percent. Now, again, Tesla's not on the S&P 500, and that's why the market's so upset today. Beyond Meat's up 7 percent. There are some winners out there. Dow Jones Industrial Average down 1.5 percent, down 440. The Nasdaq's down 1.7 percent, down 197 percent. Not 197 percent, 197 points. Oh, it feels like a Monday, but it's not Monday. Russell 2000 down 1.6%. So all the markets are down pretty evenly. And again, it's a little bit more of the same. Last week, we started seeing some big tech companies sell off after having dominated and owned the market, only marching higher pretty much so nonstop since March. So this week, maybe the last three or four trading sessions, it's going to hit a week soon, right? 
it's a lot more humbler. Apple, Amazon, Zoom, they're all down 4% today. Now, Tesla's being down bit of the, the ugly one, so to speak, down 14%. But some of the momentum stocks have been tech stocks. Uh, Etsy is up 1%. They're being added to the S&P 500. I would have thought Etsy would have been high, a little bit higher, if I could be honest with you. Uh, GM is partnering with Nikola. GM's up 6%. Nikola up 29%. That's a big winner, winner, chicken dinner. So the market's going through this leadership rotation. And I, I think that's a good thing. I would rather see a broader stock market rally versus a very narrowly focused. President Trump suggested he intends to toughen his stance on China, which includes disincentives for U.S. companies to outsource jobs to China. Congress is uh, coming back from recess, so we should get another whack at a coronavirus relief bill. And what it's going to mean for states could be a stimulus. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Congress is back in session. Oh, I guess one more thing that I can throw out there is um, ExxonMobil is down. And they're down, I think, in large part because oil's down. Oil's down large. Oil's down 6% today to $37 a barrel. Reports are that Saudi Arabia has cut its prices for October amidst worries about weakening demand worldwide. When Saudi Arabia says weakening demand worldwide, they kind of have a finger on the pulse of world economies because they supply the oils to them. You get the idea. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I've been doing this for pushing 25 years. Uh, I think it's 23. I've got some expertise in it. I've worked in the industry directly. I've worked in the industry passively. I could tell you what I think is good product and what is bad product. For instance, I think most annuities are not good product because what you're trying to do is make your money go as far as you can. And when you get an annuity, it's an insurance product sold by a licensed insurance agent, but it acts like an investment product. Right there, it's two things. So there's going to be two masters who have to be paid. Then there's the, so you're paying the management fees of the investment side. You're paying the commissions on the insurance side. That's not good. This industry, like many industries, are very slow to change. They want to keep as many of the fees and commissions in as long as possible. And the idea of annuity is great. You can't run out of money in retirement. Great idea. Doesn't really work like that. The part that's guaranteed through the insurance, which you have to pay for the insurance, is your money. Not anything that grows. It's just the original seed money. That's not good. So I would much rather you say, let's say no to annuities and go in a different direction. But that's just me. Most annuities. I can find one or two that are appropriate, but I can find 98% of them being sold to people like you that are inappropriate. That's one of the things I try to do on this show. But another thing that I try to do is show you like the daily headlines. Because if you don't think Tesla is a sexy, funny story, that it's unbelievable. You have a CEO who's incredibly charismatic. 
you have him coming up with a mind-blowing, mind-bending new type of technology. Changing the fossil fuel world pretty much so single-handedly. That's what it looks like. Inspiring other companies like Nikola, who does hydrogen fuel cells, tech uh, vehicles, to like try to crack the code of, hey, the combustion engine doesn't have to be the only engine we think of. So I try to like do some of these fun stories because that'll be made into a movie one day. One of the reasons I would be cautious on owning Tesla stock is Elon Musk. It is perceived that it's a one-man company, that no one else could do what he's done. I will say it does look a little fishy that they sold $5 billion of their own stock two days ago. Um, as the stock was hitting all-time highs, they're like, okay, we're going to sell some of this. And I was like, that's a good idea. They're going to have $5 billion laying around. I didn't know the stock was about to fall, and they just sold perfectly high. In theory, they could buy back their own stock, but I don't think that's really why we're here to talk right now. Most Americans have no money saved for their children. That one is a little bit of a surpriser to me. Um, some people have savings bonds and cash, which I don't think makes a lot of sense. If in the last 20 years, the bond rates haven't been so good that you're like, man, I'm going to buy my kid a $100 bond, and by the time he goes to college, it'll be $22,000. <laughs> they haven't been great bond rates. Um, interesting that some people have set up brokerage accounts for their children, about 3%. I do think it's a wise idea to go down and open up a banking account for your child because part of your credit score is how long you've had financial relationships with banks. 13% um, of Americans have set up 529 college savings accounts, which is not a lot. Let's say that's a little more than one in 10. 529s are a great way to save for your kid's college. Great. If you've already maxed out your own 401k and you've done your own financial planning, I absolutely think you should fund a 529 if you think your kid's on track to go to college. Now, this is the weird year. 2020 is a year where I don't know if I want my kids going to college. I don't know. Like, priorities are changing. And online schools should be a big long-term victory here. I have a family member who, I think he, it's, it's a distant relative. But he got into some issues. High school wasn't his thing. And his parents saved money for his college. Whoops. And he's, he's going on to save money for his college in a 529. It grows tax deferred. It, it has no, it does have commission fees. Um, a 529 is a great saving vehicle for kids. But there's a penalty if you don't send a kid to college. Now, I would still do it if you think your kid's going to college, but again, after you've maxed out your 401k and your own retirement planning issues, there's a good website out there called savingforcollege.com, savingforcollege.com, and I think you'll find it has a lot of information for you on saving for your kid's college account. Um, IRA investing, which this is a freak one for me. This is a, a poll on people who have saved money for their kids or not saved money. 53% have saved nothing whether it be in savings bonds, custodial brokerage accounts, 529 college plans, but 7% have saved money in a kid's IRA. I, yeah, I would have to dig deep in this survey, and I'm not going to, to figure out how are people doing that? 
typically an IRA or a Roth IRA, you're going to be, it's a retirement account and it's really the kid's account. And he's really not a kid because he's working now kind of thing. And 32% of Americans have saved money in a, a regular savings account. So it, all this is adding up to me. I, I get it. I'm a little bit shocked on the 529 plan. You, if your kid's going to go to college, it's going to cost an arm and leg. And 87% of you are not putting money away for, in your kid's college plan. So you're just saying, I'm going to pay for it either through loans, get a cash in my 401k, or it's up to Junior to figure this out on his own. And I get it. The, you know, I said a 529 plan, great website is savingforcollege.com, savingforcollege.com. One of the things that I find interesting here is I do want you to save money for your kid's college. I do want you to save, I want you to encourage your kid to perhaps elope instead of getting married. The whole idea of 300 people weddings should die as it's a financial economic uh, drain on a couple. And that's not a good way to start a marriage. I'm pro eloping. <laughs> I know you're saying you really do look at everything as money, don't you? I really, really do. Um, it's how I'm wired differently. So I said you can save money for your kids' college. I, I get, I, I get it. You want to take your kids. You want to leave them in a better financial place. You want to get them a good education. You want to say you, you, you raised a good kid, a well-rounded kid, an educated. I get all of that. But I say take care of your own 401k first. Why? Because get this, the average American, and the best way to save for retirement is in your 401k. The average American, the balance of their 401k is about $104,000 after the market recovery. Okay, so let's work on this a little bit in our heads. Let's say you turn 60 in your year. Now, it's not saying that the average person is 60. But let's say you have $100,000 and you want to live 10 years from 60 to 70. Okay, what's that come out to? $10,000 a, a year minus inflation. Or you add in inflation, you subtract out your market gains. That's not a lot of money, $10,000. Is that a car? No. Is it a roof? No. Is it a healthcare drama? No. So let's say that $100,000 is now last, supposed to last 20 years in retirement from 60 to 80. $104,000 goes pretty darn fast, as you can see, or you're now saying 5,000 chunks. Again, I'm not going to be a nerd and factor in the inflation and factor in the market performance. I'm just giving you a big round number so you can see we need more than that. In the first quarter of this year, um, it's up 14% from 100 up to 404,000. So we're not saving enough. Fewer than 1% of savers stopped investing. Good. 88% of people contributed money to their 401k in the second quarter. Good. Uh, that was only down one percentage point from 89% down to 88%. So people didn't get freaked out by a down market, which is wonderful. You know who loves down markets? Rob Black loves down markets because I'm not quite ready to retire yet. And every time the market hits an all-time high and it's Paycheck Friday, I'm like, ah, oh, why couldn't have you been down 10, 15%? Because then I'd be buying the same thing I'm going to buy anyway, but 10 to 15% cheaper. So $104,000, just to give you an idea in your 401k, that'll pay you income of about $4,100 in retirement if you're lucky. And that's annually. 
So you're going to either melt the asset down by taking chunks of it out, or you're going to pay yourself $4,176 for the year. Use that asset to generate income. Or are you going to continue working? Um, my magic number at one point in time was $1 million because if I can get 4% in bonds or income, I could live off $40,000 a year. I could probably get by on $40,000 a year. I might be in a trailer park. Nothing wrong with trailer parks, but let's say that's going to be my lowest cost of a home, right? I might be in Oklahoma. I don't want to live in Oklahoma, but it's got one of the lowest costs of living in the United States. So you can kind of see how a million could maybe work, or I could take a million over 10 years. You get the idea. But when you start adding like a spouse, suddenly the spousal retirement goal should be two million, so that pays each of you 40,000. And if you want to travel, then it should be three to four million. So what is your retirement number and how much do you have saved for it? Got to get started, people. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. I look at things very, very simply. To me, everything looks to be a financial puzzle. So I never really got into spending money because I came from a middle class family that I was the fifth boy. So everything was hand-me-downs for me, right? So I got used to that. Um, or that kind of mentality. Um, one of the things I try to do on this show is get you to like money. I get that I come across as a capitalist pig to some people. I'm not thrilled about that, but I get it. Um, one of the things I really want to do for you is show you how fun it is and how the stories are great. I read the Wall Street Journal every day. I read Barron's on weekends. Um, I'm negotiating some marketing issues right now for a group that I'm like, I work all day long. You don't get me for like five hours or six hours. You get me like, all I do is see money and I try to make the stories relatable. Hopefully that, that pays off for, for all parties. Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. There was a guy that I knew when I was 20 years old. Um, he was a writer and I was a writer. My dream was to write Hollywood movies or write the great American novel. That's what I kind of thought when I was in high school going into college. So I knew a guy named David Ayer and, um, I knew him really well. And he went on to Hollywood to succeed, whereas I kind of, my writing career, it took off. It did well. And it, it pushed me into more research, which pushed me into how do I handle my money that I just made, which pushed me into understanding financial really well. And I think today, because I have a, a background in writing, I'm able to tell you a story with money. But let me tell you the story about David Ayer. He was an intense dude. And he went on to write a movie called Training Day that... I look at it as one of the greatest cop movies of all time. Um, and I knew him well enough that when the, the script was being chopped around, like we were laughing about the character, not the characters, but the actors who could play the two characters. And the lead role went to someone that we didn't think was going to go to. It wasn't written for an African-American. It was written for a Caucasian. But it's Denzel Washington got the lead. And it's one of the greatest movies I've ever seen and one of the greatest performances. And Ethan Hawke is in the movie. Ethan Hawke's okay. He's okay. But I think the lesson is he went on to do his career and he stuck with it. 
I went around and I did a 180 because I didn't feel it was for me the long term. I didn't like the people in LA. I didn't like, you know, making deals. I, I, I'd rather rewrite other people's scripts and write my own and try to sell them. It just, it's a lousy business. But Tenet took in $20 million as Americans stepped back into movie theaters. I like that story. Now, that's not a big opening, but it brings up, okay, who was smarter? Was Disney? These are the two first movies coming back out. Tenet and Mulan, live action Mulan. And I would say that Disney outplayed Warner Brothers. But wait, we're not done yet because Warner Brothers is going to have HBO Max and down the road, will they do the same exact thing that Disney just did? Say, okay, you can get it, go to a movie theater or you can sign up for our service or if you already have our service, it's $30 to buy it and it's added to the service forever. So you're not renting it for 30. You're buying it into your service, which I think begs the question, if you ever cancel your service, do you lose that movie? And I think the answer is yes. I love that we're talking about movie theater business models. Big losers in all this, I think, are the AMCs. Because I, I don't think there's any reason for us to have to say, well, I have to go to a movie theater to see a movie. The reason to go to movie theaters now are, are to see crazy action sequences that don't sell as well or don't play as well on your TV. 70% of U.S. movie theaters are currently open. L.A. and New York remain closed, and they are top markets. People are leaving L.A. People are leaving their state to go see a movie. That's kind of fascinating. That's telling me the human psychology is we need movies. I'm not saying that they're essential, but we'll, we'll leave a state to go to another state to go to a movie theater. So what's even more interesting when you start looking at the, uh, the financials of this weekend, Disney had a huge plus. Huge plus. They saw a massive surge in consumer spending on their app, and they saw a massive surge in people signing up for their app. In theory, you'll probably stick around if you like the content. But Warner Brothers declined to split up the U.S.-Canadian box office receipts. Uh, theaters in Canada where COVID-19 cases are much smaller than the United States began showing Tenet a week earlier. It's pulled in $146 million globally. Now, that's if I were a betting man in August, uh, in March, to say... A movie coming out in September is going to be able to pull out $146 million at theaters. You, I would have laughed at myself. I kind of believed Newsom, and maybe I'm a sucker. You're a sucker for, under, for believing media. But when he said early on in March, ah, there's not going to be any football or hockey or baseball in California, at least through November. Now, it's interesting that Trump has come out today and said, isn't it interesting that everyone's going to open back up in November after the election? I'm not getting into the politics, but Tenet is an expensive movie. And I bring this up. Oh, why did I bring up uh, Denzel Washington? Because his son is the lead, John David Washington. And I don't say things incredibly stupidly just to say them, but I think he's a good looking man. Um, what, a, what, a, what a family, huh? Could you imagine that Christmas, Denzel Washington and his son, John David Washington at Christmas? I am King Kong and they just start yelling at each other like I love it I love the intensity of the acting but Tenet needs to pull in 500 million to break even so it's going to be a big loss for Warner Brothers I wonder if they're going to stop and look back and say maybe we should have pushed that HBO Max releasing it that way and then written off the whole movie they could still do it they could still do it but you see Hollywood is going to have to change here and uh 
we got that going on for us. Anyhow, business models. I like business models more than I like fashion models. Dun, dun, dun.